Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Location Conversation with me, your host, Adam Allenberg. Each episode will explore questions about place and placemaking. We will taste the tastes and take in the sights of this beautiful world of ours. And each time we'll try to understand little by little how we can make our places better and make ourselves better in the process. This first episode is with my dear friend, Dara Firmer. She is a rabbi in Los Angeles, uh, but is not originally from Los Angeles. She's originally from New Jersey, uh, and though she did spend some time in college up in Northern California, she's mostly from the East Coast. Uh, but when she moved here in 2007, I say here meaning Los Angeles, uh, she had to find, like all of us, uh, things to love about her new city. Uh, so. She takes us today to her community garden plot at Ocean View Farms to talk a little bit about how this place has been important to her, uh, remains a special part of her life, uh, her family's life, and all the great things that connecting with soil and a place you care about can bring. As the name would suggest, each episode will visit a different location. And I hope it won't bother you too much, but that's gonna mean a lot of background noise. So please listen carefully. You see, life isn't lived with reservations and orchestrations, but instead it's out in the wild, in the places that we call home. And there's something about capturing what is natural about those spaces that feels important to this tiny project. This episode was recorded in April of 2014. What can I say? Sometimes passion projects uh, take a backseat to real life and all the things going on. But now, in November of 2016, it feels like a really important time to start talking about why we care about the places that we call home. And of course, how can we make them better? So thanks for joining me, Adam Allenberg, again with Location Conversation. You're good. Okay. Um, uh, the garden is here and also over there. So yeah. we parked definitely in an area. My plot, our plot, our plot is Over down yonder. There. It's a huge garden. There are 500 plots. It's the biggest one in Los Angeles. Um, so, so I can also, in addition to like the garden and yeah. there's also like the community gathering area, the compost area. Um, you know, other people's plots and how they use them. The uh, That's additional compost, it looks like. Yeah, that's for... And, that's and what about the, the lumber? Is it, like, for the taking? Anything, yeah, I'll show you. Like, th that, those are probably just them <clears throat> doing, like, a work day yesterday yeah. and trimming stuff down. Um, but there is, like, there's lumber, there's community tools, there's an orchard, a small orchard. When well, yeah, I noticed... So I got here a little early, and I noticed over there there's, like, lemon trees on the on the sort of periphery of yeah. some of the plots, and then here you've got fig trees. Yeah, it's... Um, they do a good job. Uh, down... There is, like, an official... And orchard. nothing's labeled, so you have no. to know your stuff. It's true. It's true. They, um, there are official orchards inside, and they have a really funny rule that says... Um, plots. You can only take as much fruit as can fit into your hands, cupped together... And after that, you're done. Sounds very yeah. Talmudic. <laughs> so it's like lemons, figs, apples, nectarines, avocados. But only as many as you can carry. 
only as many as you can carry, not using your shirt as a bucket. And uh, if I wanted to say, fill my hands with lemons and say, great, this is my lemon take for the day, and then go back to the orchard. That's and a good question. That's a good nuance. Could you yeah, go back then for a see? different type of fruit? I've always understood it. Because I feel like lemons alone, I could go through like four or five a day. Right. Maybe it might be one per, one handful per tree. Uh, but the we have found your weakness, community garden. <laughs> they do have a, a very elaborate set of rules that you get uh, printed yeah. out and also online. So I'm sure that they have. I, I'll I'll find it and. It's like, pretty. Link it's to pretty it amazing, something. and it's one of the. I read through all of them. Of course you did. Did not commit them all to memory. You are a rule follower. <laughs> By the way, this is it. This is us. We're just going to talk. I figured. I will ask questions, <laughs> and then later on, you'll sound amazing. Excellent. Thank you for editing. Okay. Uh, this little guy needs to go yeah. inside the box. Okay. All right. So I'm going to walk. So today we have some strawberries we're going to plant. We're going to plant some like. strawberries. And uh, Michael just said four that little guys. If, you, uh, if we feel inspired, um, yeah. one of the big things about the community garden that I love, but it's also what terrorizes me, yeah. is that... Um, Good morning. Is that not only are you responsible for maintaining your plot mm -hmm. and making sure that it is appropriate, you also have to maintain the walkways that around are your plot. around your plot. Oh. And true to form, it's only half the walkway, 50% of the walkway on either side, and then your neighbors have to maintain their 50%. But if your area gets too filled with weeds, you can get a citation. This is what does that it. mean? What is a it's citation? It's very serious. Mean? It's very serious. No, I'm laughing, but it's true. This is what can kick you out of the garden. So people wait years to get a garden plot. We waited three and a half years. Yeah. And what can jeopardize your standing um, is if, A, you're a bad neighbor and somebody mm -hmm. starts to complain. B, you don't complete your 12 hours of service every year to the garden. And C, I would say, if you mess up and get two citations, meaning they warned you that your stuff was getting weedy, mm -hmm. um, or you have plants that are growing into your neighbor's plot and you get cited twice. I'll stop you here for one sec so I can show you this part. Um, they actually have a, a committee that then can assess whether they have the right to boo you from the garden, which is pretty serious, and bring you up on sort I, of- I imagine it's sort of necessary too, though, for 500 plots. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Which, being inside of this, you would never know that there are 500. Even 500 though they're plots. even though they're large, I would not have guessed 500 plots. Yep, I would and have guessed 100. According to the website, they used to all be 15 by 15, but you'll see ours. It's definitely not not a perfect 15, 15 by 15. Well, and some like, of these are kind of shaped, yep. you know, very square, and others are shaped a little more. And some people have two plots that they've waited for cleverly. to go side by side, and they've broken down the wall between them. And. Um, Tell me if I'm wrong. It feels like some people have been here long enough to, like, plant their own trees. Mm -hmm. The guy we just passed, those are all cacti. The yeah. only thing he grows are cacti. Um, and it looks like one kind of cactus. Yep, yep. Does he, does he harvest them for fruit? I've never met him, but whenever we talk about it uh, at Community Work Days, everyone has a theory that he harvests it for the fruit. Yeah. Uh, but I've never met him. Uh, people, it's been, the garden He's has like, been, I really want to be in a community garden, but I don't want all the work yeah. of or, tending, you know, finicky plants. Yeah. So I'll just plant something that just grows. It grows. It does its thing. I mean, as long as his cacti do not fall into the communal walkway areas yeah. or annoy his neighbor, he can do it. Um, 
technically you're not supposed to plant any trees. So if you wanted your own little lemon tree, you're not supposed to be able to do that. Um, but you can see people have like bougainvillea on terraces yeah. that grow up pretty big. Um, some people really like uh, jasmine. Uh, uh-huh. There's like, corn like stalks. They, in like the they summer. trellis it up. Yep, exactly. The sides of their plot or whatever. Yep. So, so different things. I mean, I would I've say seen like, a few people with California poppies, which are my favorite. Those yep. bright orange bright flowers. Orange. Yep. And um, I didn't know you were allowed to plant them. I know you're not allowed to pick them when they're wild. Yep. I didn't know you were allowed to plant them. It, it's yep. So here, I'll show you. This is the orchard, the official orchard. So it this is one of the lemon trees. Over here. Yep. So this is an apple tree. Too uh, early for apples. Too early for apples. Big tree. Oh, look at this little apple tree, though. It looks good. So yeah. I, you know, you hope that people know when to pick and when not to pick, but there's not right. a policeman here. Um, over here. I'm not sure a policeman would know when to pick <laughs> and when not to pick either. That's true. Not well, to be presumptuous a about California law enforcement life. professionals. Um, this is the shredding area, so everyone can bring their garden waste, their green waste here. And yeah. every Tuesday morning at 7 a.m., one of the volunteer opportunities is that you help shred it. And then it sits at the bottom and waits for Saturday morning at 9 a.m. composting where people, and I've done this before, then take the greens that have been shredded and manure and water and start to fill up the compost areas. Uh, the, the thing that's funny here, this is actually one of the first things that also terrified me about the garden is how serious they are about not putting invasive weeds into the compost because there's two opinions. One is that the heat will cook it down and it doesn't matter if things like false garlic, nut grass, and bindweed get in there because... Yeah. Whatever, by the time it becomes compost and usable, it's not going to spread to your garden. But the other more dominant voice is those things are so vicious and the heat isn't strong enough that the minute they get in here is the minute that they then contaminate every garden. So long before I got here, they had these signs and now they have pictures. Do not put this into the green waste. So I used to look at these weeds when I first got the garden plot and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Is it not grass? Is it false garlic? I don't know. I don't want to disappoint anyone. I know. And no one ever called me out on it. And I I try to be careful, but it's, you know, it's being part of this larger community, trying not to mess up anybody else's really, you know, efforts to grow stuff. But at the same time, that's the risk. Um, all this area here is communal. So over there is sort of an outdoor amphitheater. Uh-huh. Oh, um, I see. Yeah. That's where they have community meetings uh, every couple of months. That's where they'll also have um, organic gardening classes. Tomato bration is where they sell different sorts of tomato plants. It's a really big deal. And they have a tomato tasting at the end of the season with, like, awards that they give to people. Um, so they can sort of sample all these different Have you won of- any awards yet? No. No, not Sadly, yet. Sadly, no. We're just thrilled to get tomatoes because... Um, tomatoes can be hard. Tomatoes are hard. I've learned. Also, the big thing about this garden, and they even say it on the website, and when you first move in, I'll show you the compost area and then we'll loop around, is that um, the ocean breeze, which is lovely for gardening, um, brings moisture with it and therefore makes fungi far more likely. Um, And therefore, the tomato plants are really susceptible. And if your tomato plants are good, but somebody else's aren't, they can actually transfer yeah, that. Yeah, of course. So, Despite the diversity of species here, right. I would imagine that just happens. Right. Also, what's interesting is you can hear now the sounds of Sentinella, Bundy. Yeah. Um, so I think one of the reasons, clearly, that they did not give away these areas right next to the um, border as plots is one, who would want to yeah. be that close to traffic? And the noise and, you know, 
But on the other hand, they've now turned all of this into communal gardening areas for orchards, for flowers. So part of the way you can get your 12 hours of service is you can also agree to have a special project. To work over here. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's nice, too, because only when you get right up next to it do you really hear a lot of it. Yep. So this looks familiar. So now we're standing over the compost heap. Yep. So there are three... Four, one, two, three, four. There's four, I guess, wait, four, I don't even know, holding bins. Like stages? Stages, exactly. So one of the least fun jobs (laughs) is standing in stage one and then moving it into stage two. But people do it on Saturdays. Um, We're standing in stage four, it looks like. Yep, this is all ready to go. Um, Now, there are a lot of sticks for compost. Yep. Is that intentional to keep air movement or? I think that's just the nature of what they're able to do. My sense is that they they try to shred some of the big stuff, but that ultimately, this is the system they've got in place. And you can see they even know they have a lot of sticks because there's a garbage can for sticks and two um, sifters, two large wooden sifters. Um, People here, again, have really mixed emotions about the compost. I think it's great and people swear by it, and they've never gotten a single weed, and other people, you'll see sometimes, <laughs> and I think it's funny because it's so inexpensive to have a, a rent, to rent a plot, but um, How much will, does it cost, just out of curiosity? I think now the cost is, I'm just trying to think, we paid $50, but we have associate members, friends of ours who are in, that's like a 6 or $8 fee, so I'm going to say it's somewhere around like $40. A year? $40 wow. a year, give or take. Um, to rent your plot and to have it, and they'll renew it every year as long as you're in good standing. But people will like have delivered here um, bags and bags of of organic compost from like Osh or Anawalt, um, and they'll build these amazing structures. Um, I'll show you one up here. It's actually really yeah. beautiful. Um, you know, so the rental of the plot may be really reasonable, but then what you choose to do with it could actually be thousands of dollars right. of investment. Which is great because people do it in different ways. Now, are there rules about um, pesticides, uh, you know, yep. only using organic ingredients? Correct. Correct. They're pretty clear that this is an organic garden and that, again, your choices will affect everyone else's. So if you're caught, I imagine, with anything that is not organic and has a label on it that says organic, again, they can strike you, you up. Yep. Um, It's also interesting because some people, I just have to say, some people have these plots that look, you know, like, hey, there's a corner that isn't, nothing's planted. I'm going to shove a rose bush in here. Yeah. And others, like the one we're standing in front of, it's very thoughtful. It is. I watched the guy dig it up, and he had a lot of lumber that he had delivered. Yeah. So the lumber that you get, you can either recycle it from the area where they drop stuff off, or you order it yourself, or you just leave it like we did. We didn't do any amplification of new sort of boundaries or yeah. garden boxes yet. Yeah, Michael actually just did. But like this strawberry. Um, yeah, so we're, there's, it, I'll have to get pictures of these. There's a vertical one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's like Jenga. Almost. Six, actually. Uh, I don't know what you'd call that. Like Yeah, like little like rectangular garden A foot garden and a half by another half foot and maybe a half foot deep rectangular wooden boxes. Each with strawberry plants just poking out the sides. Right, and you can see they had, they did um, drip irrigation yeah. into it just to like make this it whole system. And then next to it is what looks blueberry. like blueberry bushes, yep. right? And then gorgeous, gorgeous um, trellises built up with wood for tomatoes. Could it be, looks like yeah, maybe some, cucumbers over there. Uh-huh. Squash would be really well here. Yeah, yeah. And so there's a load. I've noticed this too. This is like every garden, I think, but there's lots of curly kale. Yeah. 
and people just pick off the leaves and then the stalks just grow and grow and grow and grow. Yeah, it feels a little like Dr. Seuss. Yeah, they, they do look a little bit like the uh, Thneed trees. Is that what they're called? No, could- you make a Thneed. I'm going to remember it later. Yep. So I'm going to take you in one other place and then... Strawberries on the right. Yeah. I don't know what that is. That looks like something they bolted, be, actually. Yeah. And some flowers next to what looks like a grapevine, which is kind of fun. Yeah. I've uh, seen several grapevines. Yeah. I wonder if those are peppers of some sort. But it's interesting because that also makes it much easier to pick. So if you have... If you don't want to be leaning down all the time. Right. That makes it much easier to harvest. Um... How did you find this place? Um, I went to... Artichokes, by the way. We just walked past little globe Perfect. artichokes. Yeah, they're, they're really pretty. Um, I went to the Chazon Food Conference, the Jewish Food Conference, a couple of... Wow, it's probably more than a couple of years ago now. Maybe five years ago, four years ago, for the first time. 07, 08, something like that? Maybe even 09. I think it was 09. 09 was my first year. We'll come down this way. And um, I was so inspired by all these people who were using the land to garden and not just big farms, but just local plots. And if you didn't have a backyard, people said, oh, I have a community garden plot. So I came back, the conference was in the Bay Area, I came back to LA, Googled community gardens, found a couple, and then found one that actually was three miles from where I was living, and filled out the form. And I remember pressing send, like, yes, I would like one. (laughs) And it said, Congratulations, your number, 365 on the wait list, average wait time, you know, two years. Oh, my goodness. You know, it was something... And how long did you actually end up waiting? Three and a half. Three and a half years. Three and a half years. And and the best story that I tell about it, because it actually is really true, is that I had submitted... I have a Hotmail account in addition to, like, Gmail and my work account. I really never use... And now what is that? (laughs) So I never use Hotmail anymore. And, um... So three and a half years later, I, I really have forgotten about the garden plot. I really, it's like out of my mind. I don't even know. I'm thinking about like container planting in my yeah, balcony. Yeah, you were doing some planting on your which balcony was fine. and stuff, And I right? was like, I had moved on from that like intensity of like, I need to work the land. And all of a sudden in my hotmail, thank God I checked it that day. I see this email, you can put it down, um, that says, uh, that says, if you, essentially, if you are still at this email address and alive and breathing, write us back. There's a plot that is yours if you email us back in the next three weeks. Wow. And I, I just thought, like, what are the odds that this didn't go to junk mail or spam or that I checked Hotmail within that? So I write back immediately. I'm like, I'm alive. I'm alive. I'm here. What next? And then I didn't hear from them, and I remember calling. <laughs> I'm alive. So then I met this woman yeah. who is the plot supervisor. What's her name? Do you remember? Uh, That's okay. I'll think of it. I'll think of it. She's, she was great. She was great. Um, so she said... Um, her name is also Dara Frimer. <laughs> give you credit for um, And she... Wendy. Her name is Wendy. Um, and so she met me here, and she gave me the orientation to the garden and the responsibilities, and then walked me over to this plot, which you're now standing in front of, which my husband, Michael, has made to look immaculate right now. It is... It, good job, Michael. Yeah. Um, because when we got it three years ago... Um, it was, it is as, it is, sorry, let me try to think of how to say this. You get it as it was left. So uh-huh. the people who left, according to neighbors, and as far as Wendy knew, um, were a young couple, and they seemed to be enjoying working the land, and then one day they just stopped coming. And 
no one heard from them, and the citations went into the mailbox. Every plot has a mailbox for... I use it for storage, but, you know, yeah. you can use it for whatever. Um, and that's where the put citations. Real mailboxes, by the way. This is not a euphemism. They're, yeah. like, real, real. It looks like a tiny, itty-bitty suburban right. neighborhood. Do you see the one that looks like a cow over there? That's yeah. On a <laughs> yeah, and you can decorate them. You have to have your plot number on them. Um, and they just stopped coming, and so the plot got turned over. And so we got it, and it was, like, this green, jungly wonderland. And I remember she said, you have two weeks to clean it out. And I said, oh, my God, we're, but we're going to, like, the Pacific Northwest for right. a vacation for a week. And she's like, okay, well, don't panic. She was really nice. Just try to do your best. So I remember waking Michael up and being like, 7 a.m. before work. We have to go clean out the plot. So we got here. And then in between all of the green craziness, which, of course, none of this is here now, um, there, was, there were, like, pea plants that had been planted that had peas on them. And there were carrots buried in the ground. And there were lettuce leaves. And there were onions. And... Uh, God, what else did they have? Just real live... I, I remember thinking, like, real live food exists amongst the weeds that yeah. were, like, up to here. And I remember... Oh, really? So they were, like, five, six yeah. feet, feet tall? I would go weeds. with, like, four. Four to five feet. Um, yeah, it really felt like you walked in, and I had bought this one tool, which I'll show you, which I thought would be more than enough. Michael, I remember, said, like, I think we should probably buy a shovel. And I was like, we do not need a shovel. This tool... <laughs> Which, don't laugh. What, you thought the sweat of your brow and... Uh, I don't laugh. That's that's more or less what I pictured. I want you to... De- but it's like a... Uh, it's how would you feet, describe it? It's, it's two feet long. Yeah. It's a hoe on one side. Yeah. And a three-pronged... Fork on Fork the on the other. But... But this, it's short. It's like it's a hand tool. It's definitely not... It's not... Meant a, for a large garden. Right. And so finally Michael went to the communal tool shed and brought back a... Um, a real shovel and then did the work three times as fast as I could. But I was so committed to being like on my knees in the ground, digging up yeah. and discovering all of this food that he was like, I don't think we need to take that home. And I was like, we have to take it home. And so I remember I like, it's like there were like seven peas and, you know, six carrots that yeah. had been hacked up and I washed them on, laid them out and took a picture of them. And I was like, our first harvest. Is there a part of this that's like about frugalness, you know, frugality, you know, sort of getting the most from... The, because uh, I know we often felt, you know, we only had like two raised beds in our at our house in Dallas, and the thing that we always felt was like we're only getting, you know, like five great strawberries, one from each plant, yeah. you know, and it was it was probably because of we had too much shade, and it was a growing thing. It was not the strawberries' fault, um, but as a result, every single <laughs> strawberry, every single tomato was like coveted. Yeah, I appreciate that because there have been times where things we've grown have only yielded a few things, like a few tomatoes, and it's felt really precious. I think the memory of that was um, like uh, like um, almost like a, a wilderness discovery. Like, mm-hmm. here we are, we've stumbled upon this plot. I don't think Michael actually shared any of these thoughts, but I, I thought them. And like, and behold, like, behold, in the ground, there lies <laughs> hidden vegetables. And it would be... Um, you know, not more than just wasteful. It would be um, like spurning the ground if I didn't like lift them up and say, like, you know, as a true lover of the earth and wannabe gardener, like I will, I will rescue these. Yeah. Um, and now, of course, it feels like Michael just put in um, zucchini plants. Mm-hmm. Those things, when they grow, as I learned from the first season, they're they're beasts. Oh yeah. 
And they take over, and we had more zucchini than I knew what to do with. And all the women at my office got used to me bringing in like six or seven giant zucchinis. At one point, I seat belted them in because they were so big, and just as a joke, wow, I could be like, "Here, sit in the front seat, guys." Um, so, you know, now I think like if a zucchini like gets stepped on, I'm like, "Ah, no big deal." But at the beginning, I was like, "No." It is a precious piece of the earth. All right, so we're standing here at your plot. I know we have work to do, but just yeah. tell me what's in your plot first. All right, first. so here's what we've got in this season. Um, right now. Is this old basil? This is purple basil, purple which basil, I planted yeah. a couple years ago because I thought, oh, purple basil, how cool. But really what I realized is that the flowers are pretty. because the Flowers are very pretty. There's a purple sort of end to them and then little white purplish flowers, but you can see how many honeybees there are. Yeah. And the more I hear about honeybees, the more depressing it gets. So I just thought... It's pretty, it's good for the environment, it helps our friends, the honeybees, and so I just keep it there. Uh, and it grows really well and doesn't require that much maintenance. Yeah. So I'm Well, basil is hard to grow unless you have consistent sunshine, I've learned. Yep. And that's one of the nice things about this garden is you really have no shade. Yep. It um, is true. So, and also I just want to point out, you can see like, so this is my neighbor to yeah. the east. Yeah. Um, occasionally, I forget what these are called. Um, they're bright orange and yellow flowers. Um, I'll think of the name eventually. Uh, they sometimes pop up underneath because really the barrier is just two pieces of wood. Right. So I sometimes get, you can see in the corner, some of those flowers. Um, and in the corner over here, I never planted, uh, oh, all of these names are eclipsing me this morning. These are called... I'm terrible at flower names. I'll think of it. Really beautiful flowers that last for like two weeks in water. It's pretty incredible. Yeah. Those pop up from these two ladies' plots. Yeah. And so occasionally I get to benefit from it, although you can also see the weeds that come up as well. Right. These are blackberries that she grows, but because of how they've snaked around, yeah. Michael and I have just woven them around, so we actually get to ten potentially benefit from a few blackberries yeah. this year. Yeah, and you've got more bees, too. I mean, they and like more. the flowers on the blackberries. Yep. Um, Blackberries are vines, unlike strawberries, which are sort of creeping uh, bushes. I mean, I wouldn't even call them bushes. They're so low to the ground. And blueberries really are bushes. Raspberries, I saw. Yeah. Raspberries can grow a lot taller. Yeah. Yeah, I would go with plants, strawberry plants. Um, So here's what you've got now in the garden. We are standing in front of two zucchini plants um, that have just been planted this past week. Over here is a red pepper plant. Mm-hmm. Last time we tried to go preppers, it was so devastating. I remember we, we planted six of them. They grew up into the most beautiful-looking plants and even started to create the peppers. And all of a sudden, one day, like a pepper had fallen off, and the entire center of it was um, like black with fungus and totally corroded from the inside out. And then I opened up another pepper, and it was also hmm. like somehow, despite the fact that the peppers looked gorgeous... None of them could be eaten. Not healthy. So we'll see. It's a different area of the garden than yeah. last time. And, you know, we'll figure it out. Um, over here, our <laughs> eggplant. Um, Michael's favorite dish is this eggplant parmesan that his friend Jenny makes, which I have the recipe for. But I'm actually not a big lover of eggplant. But they do grow really well. And it's next to your basil, to be pointed out. Yes. So basil does well next to eggplant and tomatoes. Nightshades. Yeah. Or at least tomatoes. I don't know if it does. Yeah, like and see, and I ruled out tomatoes this year because now that we have a house and we can put the tomatoes into our front yard, I said like, pick them when you need them. Pick them when you need them, and also we might grow better tomatoes without that ocean breeze coming in. So I know Michael kind of wanted to plant some tomatoes here, but he agreed with me that we would try them by the house this year. 
Um, this is a curry plant. Um, if you smell it, if you rub your fingers on it, yeah. it smells like curry, which I think is kind of cool. I don't actually plan on making curry with it, although maybe why not? Be. Well, it just it feels like one of those things where um, uh, I have no, I don't even know how one would do it. But when we were at the garden store a while ago, and I saw a plant that said curry, Michael loves yellow curry. I thought, oh, we clearly have to get that. <laughs> so that's why it's here, and it's just growing really beautifully. And adds a different color and texture to the garden, which I love. Um, Over here are the succulents that grow so well in the garden. It is amazing. They're really beautiful. He just paired them back because, see how big this one is? It's like two feet, two and a half feet tall and like a foot wide. We had like ten of them that had started off as single stems. And they just grow and grow and grow, which is beautiful. But then we're a little out of control. And the reason that they're there is... um, just as a reminder for us that you're not supposed to plant anything um, on top of your border because then you necessarily will start to overlap into your neighbors. Yeah. So just as like a good neighbor rule, we planted sort of a border a foot and a half in of succulents to remember not to go beyond that. And then on this side, we just put down some um, bricks. I just have to note that you are rare in your observance of po- of grow- of planting things next to the border. It is true. Well, we we most, learned most of the people here are saying to hell with it. Yes. Well, what happened actually is By that way, this is broccoli that bolted. It is, and we had a bunch of bolted broccoli, also great for the bees. Well, I was going to say you can take some. Sorry, neighbor, you can take these seed pods, and inside here are the seeds. They're oh, not, very they're cool. not dry enough yet. But when they dry out, then they'll be ready for, and you can plant them. Nice. Great. Nice. Um, yeah, this one, what I love, although they changed around for our neighbors, they changed around their um, their model, so it, it looked more obvious before, is that on their pathway now, you can see two wooden structures. Those are the ends of a bed. So I used to think, like, God, that is such a great way to, like, decorate your garden, your garden bed with, like essentially the, decor- the, the decorative wooden the he- pieces, yeah. the headboard and the footboard. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people have, like, I love it. People have benches. People have chairs. Yeah. People have umbrellas. I'm really impressed by how creative people are being. There's a lot of vertical experimentation. A lot of people reusing things. Um, yes, yes. These same people next to their broccoli is, a stra- is several strawberry plants that are, that are hung in a vertical planter. That is, I would not call that hydroponic, but it's the soils on the inside. Mm-hmm. You know, they sell them in, like, Sky Mall magazine and mm-hmm. stuff. Yep. And I think part of it, which is why we used to have a big strawberry patch here. It was one of the yeah. first things that we planted and one of the first things that I messed up when I um, didn't realize that the dirt here is very clay-based and didn't absorb water. So I remember planting, like, six or 12 strawberry plants. They looked gorgeous. I took pictures of everything in my first year here. And then I came back like a couple of days later and they had all shriveled and died because even though I thought I had watered them, in fact, the water just stayed on the surface. So then you dig it up and you compost it and you put it in yeah. the manure. But um, <clears throat> so all of these strawberries had grown, but also all of these weeds. And at a certain point, it was really hard to get at the weeds underneath without breaking the strawberry root system. And Michael was getting really frustrated with it. So his latest project, which again, amazing, um, is he pulled up all the strawberries and he built what he wants to be our strawberry box. Uh-huh. So this is brand new. We've never had a garden box. It's not Look, that big. And there is a strawberry plant. Yeah, so he tried to replant one, which is great. Um, see, with that one, you want to... It's funny. Like, that's a great example of... It didn't work. And how, how many times a, uh, a week are you coming here? I mean, how much time are you giving nope, to your... Get it. 
to your garden plot? Um, in the summer, three times a week is about right for the level of heat that we have. Um, obviously, if it rains, that'll alleviate you. Um, right, but how often does that happen? Right. <laughs> um, so during the winter, twice a week. During the summer, three times. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to get soil it. Soil looks really good, though. This soil really looks sandy great. and uh, loamy and not too uh, clay-like. Yeah. Um, he might have picked the best of the best. He might have gone to the compost. I'll have to ask him later sort of where he got the soil. But the idea would be, so this one got replanted. We'll see if it survives. Um, we're going to put in a few more today, maybe one in each Yeah, here, I'll, I'll grab them. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Uh, and then see what else might need to be done. Definitely water. You know, for a while, people could get actually as many plots as they wanted to. Um, oh, really? And so people who were members already, I think may have even gotten priority. Want to do one? Oh, uh, go ahead. I'm gonna, I'll assist you. And, uh, and so there were some people with three, four, five plots. Now, as long as you kept all of your plots looking beautiful and did 12 hours of service per plot and paid your fees. No one cared. No one cared, but I think at a certain point, and this maybe only happened a few years ago, one, they raised the price from something like 18 or $20 a year to 36 or $40 a year, which mm-hmm. a lot of people were not in favor of, but enough. I mean, it's a democracy. Right. I mean, as far as, you know, people trust democracy. Um, and uh, so they raised the price, and then they made sort of a rule that said, if you're already in possession of plots, you're grandfathered in, but after this, no one can have more than two plots. And so what they're trying to do is get people to either retire some of their plots so new members can come in, so it doesn't feel like you have to wait three and a half years, Mm -hmm. or find ways that more people get associate gardeners. So I mentioned earlier we have good friends who, like us, when we first got the plot, didn't have, um, uh, did not have their own backyard we're, we're living in a condo mm-hmm. and we're doing container gardening and so and they have two small kids and we were like great become our associate members which means they also get a there you know there are apparently all these rules about not bringing in friends and or non-members they really try to they, they do a lot of outreach to the community. Oh, so what we're doing right now is illegal well great a good question. I sort of feel like... I really don't think there's a more appropriate way to start my podcast than to do it by but breaking... With- I know. It's a good question. So, anyway, we made them associate members, um, and what we heard then later on was that we that the garden is really trying to get more people to take on associate members. Not your friends, in fact, but you know, if we tell you that there's someone on the wait list who you've never met... If you meet them and I assume you get along with them, will you share your plot with them and they'll help pay and they'll help maintain it. And, you know, there can be some really nice relationships, but mm-hmm. it's like sharing your, you know, it's having a roommate. Right. So in this case, we well, are... Well, and how, uh, you know, who, how do you negotiate the, we, well, this is actually what we're going to grow. I know you were excited about marigolds, but we're yeah. growing sunflowers. Right. Or... And, and is it that, right, that's a great point. Is it that you split the plot in half, just like you would with, you know, a backseat, you know, on a long car drive, and you don't cross my line and I don't cross yours, or do you say, like, this is a communal area, let's plot it out together, and, you know, your day to water is Tuesday... And we'll see what happens. Yeah, I'm not available on Tuesday, but <laughs> it's good to know. Um, I'll get it covered. Don't worry. Um, so the people that you you are sharing this, and we you share have, it, but they're friends. They're so friends. there's really 
breaking the rules every which way. Yeah. Well, um, no, are they friends who officially you know, registered? Regis- officially registered. Officially registered. Their and names are on the docket. They have a key. They were hoping to get a plot here, and this was sort of the best solution for them. You know what? I'm not. I think that that once we got it, they were thrilled that they would be able to share with us. Yeah. Because I don't think they actually ever put their name on it, or maybe they did, um, but not before we had. Uh, and that allowed their kids to have access, you know, in all of the charming ways. We took a video of their daughter trying to pull up a cauliflower plant. Oh, geez. Like a head of cauliflower that was totally ready. And we were like, you can do it. We were cheering her on. And it's an adorable video because she, like many California kids, completely understands, like, how carrots grow. Right. How to pull up an onion, how to look at a cauliflower and say, all right, it's time to come out. Um, she picks... Or at least California kids whose parents join a community garden. Right, true, true. Um, she picks tomatoes right off the plant and knows to wash them, same with strawberries. Um, yeah, so it's it's been fun to share it with them. Although now they also were able to buy a house, and so they're working on planting stuff in their backyard. So it's funny, similar to what happened with us when we bought... Like, Michael is now really invested in the garden. I used to spend hours and hours here... And we sort of flipped roles as I'm more focused now on the, on the, the, the property on the house and yeah. what's growing there. Yeah. Um, all right. So now we need to add a little bit of water and decide. I, I should point out, too, I didn't say this, that every plot has its own hose attachment. Right. Um, every four. Every four. So you can see like. This. Oh, I see. It's like, but it's per corner almost. Exactly. Like, so no one has to schlep their water too far? Yeah, there's no one walking around this gigantic garden schlepping buckets of water. Uh, schlepping yes, is that. an important word to define. Uh, I would say that schlepping means to uh, to do hard labor, you know, to do like grunt work that involves moving something from one place to another. Or it's just moving something from one place to another that you resent having to do. <laughs> That would also be, I think, schlepping. What do you think about... Uh, I won't call it attention, because I, I think that's already putting that's already like, putting a label on it, but you were all about your community garden, uh-huh. as were your friends, and now you have your own home, right? You have a private lot. Yeah. So um, what do you think that says, either A, about gardening, or just B, about, like, the sort of future of community gardens? That's asking a big question. But you know what I mean? I yeah, mean, yeah, no, It's easy it. to say, well, thanks to the community garden, I got, you know, I, I earned my chops. Yep. You know, I learned how to deal with my tomatoes, and I know which plants the bees like, and all those kinds of things. Yep. I mean, you said yourself you want to plant tomatoes at the house because you won't get the ocean breeze that you get here in Santa Monica. Yep. Um... Yeah. And, and yet, at the same time, it's like, you're, you're, that means moving all the more so into, like, well, this is my garden, and it's for me. Yep. So the, the best, most positive spin I can give to that, which is legit, is the waiting list for this place is so huge that I, if we decided to give it up, because we now are privileged enough to have a garden in our own home, mm-hmm. I would feel really good about the fact that somebody who was just like me four years ago, five years ago, now is going to have a plot of land that they get to harvest and and learn from. Um, And why would I selfishly hold on to this plot, um, knowing that I can do this in my own backyard? Now, 
Michael's big thing, which is why I'm glad we're keeping it, is but this experience of sharing community land and of learning from your neighbors and of being committed to a larger project, which is the sort of health and sustainability of, um, of a 500-plot enterprise is, is really exciting, and we want to be a part of that, and we want to, you know, practice what it means to be a part of something that isn't ours exclusively, and that's committed to making L.A. look different, um, which I think is really key. Uh, I'm curious also if you know... Um, and I really don't know the answer to this, if the leadership of this garden, if they know leadership at other gardens... I bet they do. Or how often, which I'm sure it does happen, how often they may be called to, like, well, this is how we solve these problems. Yeah. Come see our garden. We're happy to tell you ideas, but... And I have learned that from visiting other community gardens. Everyone solves these things differently. Water compost, what's allowed to be grown, what isn't. Can I tell you also one of the biggest problems that is not that is environmental, but just in a different way? Just people not getting along with each other. Sure. You have 300 or so people who manage the 500 plots, and there are, you know, that's why you have sort of these boards of people who volunteer to um, mediate difficulties between people, or mm -hmm. you know, deal with someone who says, I'm being unfairly uh, um, evicted from my plot. Uh, so yeah, I do think that they probably share best practices because it's such a, thank you for your help. Mm -hmm. um, it's just such a specific uh, project to maintain a community garden in Los Angeles. And I assume people in Los Angeles talk to people in Santa Monica um, just about best practices. One of the things um, that... Uh, I've, I've definitely heard, in terms of just also not just working with other gardens, but also politicians, because the land is, I think, owned by LADWP, but managed by LA Parks and Recreation. Most of the plots are in this area that I took you through earlier, and you saw that, like, while anyone could scale the fence, there are locks. So you get your key and... Well, not only are there locks, there's... Uh some deterrent on the top of the of the wire fence right. and uh, I saw a, a camera yeah. actually I mean I saw oh. a security camera by the just by the front gate so the Did you other know there side was a, a camera there? I didn't know there was a camera well it might be a fake camera but it's there is something there that is clearly meant to attract the eye and make one think that there's a camera yep there. so and that that might be a good deterrent because yeah. the Occasionally, the newsletters will show that there's been a break-in or someone has scaled the fence and stolen tools. They had a very cheap computer at one point that got taken. Um, but the other side where you had initially parked, when you drive up on the left, is not. it is without walls. And yeah. that has been a source of frustration for all of the years we've been here. I always hear people talking about it because um, it means it's unprotected. Uh, ooh, that's a big spider. Um, uh, wow. Did you see that? It's a very big spider. Um, so what people have been saying for years, and you hear it at community meetings, is why haven't we gotten permission to build a fence yet? And apparently it has to do with getting permission from the right politician just to build a fence. I don't know any of the legal standing for it. But it has become a source of real frustration mm. because the, the leadership of the garden is saying, no, no, we're working on it. And the people who have those plots are like, yet another year has gone by. So I, 
just an interesting sort of view into yeah. like things that require the community garden to be a good um, uh, presence as a sort of, I guess, a neighborhood institution and what that looks like. Um, for instance, they do garden tours for kids uh, from local schools as sort of a way to say like, hey, here's, here's mm-hmm. what we give back to the community. They have the tomato gratian tomato sale, which is open to everyone. A lot of their community learning days are also for everyone. And I think it's really a way to say like, we, this is a good use of space. Right. Like more than just helping a bunch of people garden and, and be selfish about like their harvests, um, you know, we're serious about giving back to the community. And there's a woman actually who organizes a food donation to a local food pantry and shelter um, every week as well, so people can donate that way as well. Um, yeah, it's you know far more interesting than I thought. I just thought people kind of came and did their meditative gardening and sculpture, and mm-hmm. it's a micro community yeah. um, of people who you know, ostensibly have a lot in common, but actually are different ages and different walks of life and different languages, you know? Yeah, very much. um, What I really find interesting, too, is that despite different ages, different genders, different nationalities, different languages, um, there are a lot of similarities where people are growing. Um, Doesn't mean everyone's growing exactly the same thing, but but I love that there is a kind of common language, which is soil and, and mm-hmm. food. And apparently, uh, California poppies. Yes, she did a great job. Look yeah. at all those bees. They're very yeah, happy. They're really beautiful. I'm going to take a picture for Michael of what we've planted. Hopefully he likes it. Um, yeah. What are those called? Yeah, please. Okay. This is my request, just to tell the, the one part that I, I forgot to mention, is that um, when I, Michael and I had talked about getting married, mm-hmm. so I knew it was like in the horizon, um, it was sort of now just like that classic waiting period of like, when is he going to propose? And it was definitely in his court to do that, even though we're a pretty egalitarian couple. Um, and so he was really insistent uh, one day, uh, October my God, how long ago was it? A year ago? A year and a half ago? Um, and uh, he's like, I need to come to the garden with you because I want to pick that really big watermelon that we were growing. And I was like, okay, but I can just, I can take care of it. And he's like, no, I think we should do it together. And I was like, okay, you know, you're sentimental about a watermelon. I get it. So, and it was a really big watermelon. So uh, we come to the garden. I feel like he's really, like, He's not acting strange, but he's just a little off, and I can't figure it out. And so, whatever things go on, we're gardening, we're digging weeds. I'm getting compost, and at some point, I open up the mailbox to go get the water key, mm-hmm. um, which is what you need to turn on the water. And there's our oven silicone, um, our, our oven mitt that's in the shape of a pig. And so imagine the pig is now has its mouth open and in the pig's mouth is a little cardboard sign that says, will you dot, dot, dot. And I'm staring at this pig and it's staring at me. And then I look at Michael who was down on one knee weeding and probably hadn't realized that I'd opened up the mailbox for him to propose. And so then I like look back at the pig because Michael hasn't gotten up. And at that point, Michael realizes that I've now opened the mailbox and he runs over and then starts to propose, which was adorable and very sweet. And um, beautiful. Um, but I remember thinking like, oh my God, it's happening here in the garden plot. Like, and I'm covered in dirt. <laughs> and, you know, and I'm thinking like, 
this is amazing. And oh my God, are any of like the neighbors watching? Like I couldn't tell like who was there that day. Anyway, it was a gorgeous proposal. Um, and it's the perfect metaphor for marriage too, isn't it? I, there are so many things about it that made sense around like being present and, and building roots and growing together. Um, and really he knew how much I love this place and he actually loves it as well. Um, but he didn't want it to be like, you know, a Dodger stadium where they announce it on the screen. He didn't want to like do a, um, what do you call those? A flash mob, even though I thought that would have been awesome. (laughs) He would never have arranged that. He like did it in his own way. So I was proposed to in this very garden plot, which is probably another good reason to hold on to it right over there where the strawberries are. Yeah. And then we, uh, you know got home, took showers, and then called everyone once we were, like, no longer, like... Clean enough to present yourself. Yeah, exactly. Caked in dirt. (laughs) Uh, Which was pretty awesome. awesome. That is awesome. Yeah. That feels like the right place to end. A wonderful little story, a great little anecdote about how this garden became the place that uh, gave birth to Michael and Dara's family which I just love. And it's the story of this podcast. Uh, It begins in conversations about soil and water, and I hope it will progress and evolve into including all kinds of stories from all kinds of people about the places that they care about, about the cultures that they're interested in participating in and preserving and conserving for future generations. Uh, It will be a pleasure and an honor to uh, share some of those stories with all of you. I want to thank you for listening thus far, for making it all this way. If you wouldn't mind, uh, like us, subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher and other places where you listen to your podcasts. Uh, And if you write a little review, it helps us. It gets more listeners, uh, drives more traffic our way. So we'd we'd greatly appreciate it. Uh, You can find us on all the social media platforms. You can find me, Adam Allenberg, uh, by my name, or uh, at Local Wildlife and lots of other places. And then, of course, uh, we have a show page on Facebook that uh, really, I think, will be the primary landing page. But if you need other things, kwsb.org. Uh, I want to give a special shout out to our friend Joachim Kuder for providing music for this episode and in all likelihood future episodes. He's a great talent. Feel free to hire him to score your next film at Joachim Kuder on social media. That's J-O-A-C-H-I-M. Kuder, C-O-O-D-E-R, Joachim Kuder. Great, great friend and a great talent. I also want to say a thank you to my sister, Jill Stepak, who has graciously provided all the artwork and uh, logos and things necessary for this. Jill, I love you. Thanks for making this possible. You can hire Jill and her amazing talents at jillstepak.com. That's J-I-L-L-S-T-E-P-A-K.com. Little teaser for our next episode. Episode two will feature the Gefilteria duo uh, from Brooklyn visiting us in Los Angeles. Uh, That's Liz Alpern and Jeffrey Yoskowitz. Look them up on the internet. They're going to be big and famous. And they join me as we explore a deli culture in Los Angeles at the brand new Wexler's Deli in Santa Monica. Very exciting, uh, delicious meal. And they treated us like royalty. Hopefully there's not too much chewing into the microphone. Uh, Again, don't forget to like and subscribe. We're We are truly grateful to be able to do this. 
When you're out there exploring the places of this great world, be sure to be kind and be grateful. There, you know, there are apparently all these rules about not bringing in friends and or non-members. They really try to, they, they do a lot of outreach to the community. Oh, so what we're doing right now is illegal? Well. Great. It's a good question. I sort of feel like. I really don't think there's what a more appropriate way to start my podcast than to do it by <laughs> breaking the law of some kind.